the glory days are here to say the 80s horror show. Take a stroll down memory's lane, it's time to start the show. The gory days, the gory days, the gory days. The gory days. Oh, hey, welcome to the gory days, the show where we take a stroll down memory slain to remember our favorite horror movies from the 1980s and beyond. <laughs> That's a nice little spin that I'm putting on the tagline for today's episode. And who's putting that tagline on today's episode? Well, it's none other than your host, Kyle. <laughs> Your host, Kyle Leone, here for another week, and I'm in a giggly mood today because I am doing a very funny movie. I have apparently traversed from horror movies to horror comedies with Waxwork last week and the gory and <laughs> Gremlins 2 on the gory days here. Um, this, I I have a, uh, let's, let's see, what's the next, what's the next thing I want to say? I want to choose my words carefully because I have a history. Ooh, hang on. It sounds like I've got something in my throat. Let me clear that real quick. <laughs> ah, it's a little behind the scenes podcast knowledge. If you're going to do your own podcast, you should clear your throat before you start recording. But that's okay because you can then edit out the part where you cleared your throat. That's another secret that you get for free. Uh, let's talk about Gremlins 2. This is a movie that came out in 1990. So I've done Gremlins, the original. I did it with my uh, then-boyfriend, now-fiancé, um, way back when on an earlier episode. And so I'm not going to go into how Gremlins got made and all of that and all of the funny things going on with the Gremlins franchise. I'm going to focus on this movie, the gory d- uh, <laughs> Gremlins 2. <laughs> Uh, I saved the first flub, but this second flub is unsalvageable. Can't even edit it. Anyway, uh, so the original Gremlins came out in 1984, was a financial success, skyrocketed Zach Galligan's career into waxwork, uh, and Warner Brothers asked its director, Joe Dante, Joe Dante uh, from The Howling, um, and then would later do Small Soldiers, is the stuff that I know him from, they asked him to make a sequel right away. Of course. Of course you would make a sequel of Gremlins. Are you kidding me? Dante declined. I love this. Because he saw Gremlins as having a proper ending. And thus, a sequel would only be meant to be profitable. Oh, how beneath the great auteur Joe Dante, who dabbles in sound effects from Warner Brothers cartoons in his art his um raison dent is a nice penny whistle noise as somebody falls from a great height or some bongos as somebody runs off screen (laughs) joe dante in all of his artistry was above making a movie just to be profitable so instead he went and made explorers and inner space and the burbs while Warner Brothers approached various directors and writers for six years. Eventually, Warner Brothers returned to Joe Dante, who agreed to make this movie. Joe, Joe, please, please. We chopped all over town for years, and nobody can do this movie but you. Please will you do this movie. All right, guys. (laughs) 
You, 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 you are persistent, if nothing else. I'll do it. Oh, thank God. But I'll only do it on one condition. Anything, Joe. Anything for the great Joe Dante, <laughs> director of the Burbs. <laughs> I'll only do it if I can, if I can do anything I want. And I get a bigger budget. Of course, anything. And that's just what he got. He got complete creative control and a budget like three to five times bigger than the first Gremlins. And for special effects, the original film had Chris Wallace, uh, who moved on to pursue a directing career at the time, was directing The Fly 2. <laughs> so Joe Dante turned to Academy Award winner Rick Baker to create the effects for Gremlins 2, the new batch. Uh, he also, Rick Baker, made his way into the... He was the second unit director as well. And so, Gremlins 2 released in June 1990. And the rest, as they say, is history! Uh, which isn't the truth. This this is the only movie. This is it. It's Gremlins and Gremlins 2. There is no like long legacy franchise of, of the Gremlins. But that hasn't stopped it from... Uh, Explode! I mean, at the time it exploded merchandise-wise. I definitely had a gizmo, a toy gizmo in my house at some point, um, and I probably probably a gremlin, but much smaller, you know, so it wasn't too scary. Um, but like, it's an IP. It's one of those IPs that just won't die. It keeps coming back every now and then. Warner Brothers uh, just like uh, <laughs> will come out every now and then and feed the chickens <laughs> to make sure that they're not starving. As Gremlins too, as the Gremlins IP is wasting away, but uh, maybe not for long. Hopefully, the HBO Max show uh, Gremlins: Secrets of the Mogwai will still happen, and uh, who knows where that could take the Gremlins? Most likely into uh, animated f- series territory. I mean, they basically invent—they didn't invent, but. The, they are credited with inspiring a lot of these scary little things at the time, like ghoulies and troll and uh, others. But anyway, let's get down to that first segment of mine that I like to call, What the Hell Just Happened? Okay, let's see. When Gizmo's owner dies, aw, he seeks out, uh, Gizmo seeks out his old friend Billy. Uh, wait, who wrote this? Did I write this? No, okay, so Gizmo's owner uh, is, like, getting pressured by uh, developers, but he dies. And as luck would have it, some scientists pick Gizmo up out of the street and uh, deliver him right to the building that uh, was trying to buy out Mr. Wing's shop in Chinatown. Uh, Clamp, Clamp Tower, Daniel Clamp. Not at all... (laughs) Uh, similar to Donald Trump. It's it's exactly that. It's Donald Trump with a little bit of Ted Turner. Daniel Clamp at Clamp Tower, the world's most fully automated office building, is where Gizmo has been taken. And it just so happens to also be the place that Billy, Billy, our hero from the first movie, Billy Peltzer, played by Zach Galligan, is also working. He's working at Clamp Towers in New York City, baby! With his girlfriend, uh, Kate. Kate, uh, played by Phoebe Cates. <laughs> That's funny. Through a ridiculous coincidence, Billy finds out that Gizmo is in the same building. 
Billy goes and frees Gizmo. They're reunited. But then Gizmo gets wet. Oh, no. <laughs> and sprouts other Mogwai that are immediately so mean <laughs> to, to, to Gizmo. And I hate how much I love how mean they are. <laughs> Because uh, Gizmo is so sad. And the puppet in this movie, the Gizmo puppet, is so emotive. So every every bad thing that happens to him hits so hard. Um, but of course he gets wet. Um, and uh, they they go causing all kinds of like little havoc in cafeteria and stuff in the tower. Everything takes place in the in the tower, in Clamp Tower. They never leave the tower. That's like an important point is that... They don't want the, the Mogwai or the Gremlins to get out because what happens is, of course, the Mogwai turn into Gremlins and then the Gremlins get wet and turn into more Gremlins and wreak havoc on the building and its op- occupants and the CEO and Murray Futterman comes back um, and they drink a bunch of chemicals and they turn into all kinds of like different versions of themselves. Uh, and then they they, they uh, save the day by spraying down the Gremlins and then they electrocute them instead of... Uh, like shining daylight on them like you would have thought no instead they electrocute them to save the day but one gremlin lives the lady gremlin <laughs> that's that's uh that's gremlins too <laughs> honestly have you seen um oh the key and peel there's a key and peel sketch sketch about gremlins too like the gremlins two writing room about just how wacky it was like oh yeah could there be an electric gremlin yeah of course there can anything more more <laughs> that's basically what this movie is uh joe dante like was given free reign and so he he tried to make like as unconventional a movie as he could the word anarchic shows up a lot or anarchic uh shows up a lot <laughs> i do my research now i don't do entomology uh etymology Et- etymology oh my god yeah that's etymology here's another podcasting tip if you're starting out a podcast it's important to learn the difference between etymology and entomology (laughs) etymology is the study of the origin of, of words and entomology is the study of insects so if gremlins one was a horror with elements of comedy then gremlins two is firmly a comedy with elements of horror, and I can only think of uh, like one or two movies uh, sequels that just adore their originals as much as Gremlins Two <laughs> loves Gremlins. It's roasting Gremlins the whole time. Segments. This movie is ridiculous. It's it's really fun. So I'm just gonna run through some of the like random thought. They're not random thoughts, but the thoughts that I had. I guess they could fall into. Uh, mystery LLC. <laughs> Forget it. Oh, I just love what better place for techno terrors like gremlins who are supposed to be uh, like loosely inspired by the World War One, World War Two British Air Force uh, superstition of gremlins mucking about and being in uh, the electronics and messing things up. What better place for that kind of creature prone to messing with technology? Then the world's most fully automated office building with its <laughs> weird revolving door. I love the broken revolving door uh, running gag that they do. <laughs> Especially the first one where that douche pushes Billy uh, and Kate out of the way to get into the revolving door. And then it gets his karma right away as uh, it's spitting and spitting and hurls him off into another woman. Oh, poor, yeah. 
So at one point when we were at uh, Billy's and Kate's apartment in New York, which they have a pretty nice place. I don't know how far away from work it is, but uh, New York uh, in the 90s, I'm sure, was not cheap. I mean, it's. I don't think it's ever been cheap. Uh, at one point when we see their apartment, when they've got like the crazy one, uh, the crazy Mogwai that they call, that they call Daffy in uh, the like credit, not in the credits, but just like in the behind the scenes and in my research and stuff, because he's so wacky and he's going like, ah, uh, he's, um, they're visited by the Futtermans. <laughs> they mentioned that they were uh, like coming into town. Uh, the, or the Fettermans, uh, Murray and uh, what's her face, Fetterman, played by Dick Miller and Sheila Futterman, uh, Jackie Joseph. Is it Futterman or Fetterman? I thought it was Futterman. I probably misspelled it here. Whatever. <laughs> I love that they, they say that they took a 32-hour Greyhound to come stay with Billy. And that's why they arrived super duper late. It's late at night uh, when they show up. But then Billy kicks them out like right away because they've got the Mogwai <laughs> and they're so nice about it. But then we see them like the next day and they've still got their bags and stuff. And I have to assume, I don't think they found an apartment all night. I don't think they found a hotel. I mean, all night. I think they were <laughs> wandering the streets of New York <laughs> all night with their bags. <laughs> and it's just a fun like little background psych gag. Um, just a quick shout out to the mimes who got arrested <laughs> with some of the hookers um, when Billy gets arrested uh, by that one security guard after he uh, after what, what uh, Daffy like leaps out and grabs onto his face. He then arrests Billy. The security guard arrests Billy for like being crazy or whatever. And Kate has to uh, bail him out and says that she like, oh, don't worry. I just gave them next month's rent. Like, that's just a throwaway joke. I'm sure they'll be fine. <laughs> when she bails him out, <laughs> the, 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 like, establishing shot is all of these mimes coming out of a, um, oh, I, I, I don't know what else to call it. It's it's offensive. The paddy wagon. What do you call it? Like, just the police car, the back of the thing. All the mimes are coming out. I love that. It's really funny. This movie has a lot of funny things. I mean, it's a comedy but it's got horror elements to it. There's still deaths, and the deaths are pretty uh, gruesome and gory, and the end is gory as I'll get out, uh, which makes it perfect for the gory days. But this is, it also makes it a weird addition to my library because it's so funny. Yeah, now let me take let me take a beat to go back and let's work through let's go through these gremlins because I remember like my favorite let's go from my favorite gremlin to the scariest gremlin. My favorite gremlin as a kid was the bat one for sure just because it looked so cool and I mean like Warner Brothers knows Batman came out pretty recently the year before in 1989 um and so <laughs> there's that great uh joke where uh the bat flies out and it's got the the bat symbol on it in fact that's probably my favorite uh Christopher Lee's in this movie uh as Dr. Catheter yeah Dr. Catheter <laughs> Um, Christopher Lee's in this movie, and uh, my favorite line is when uh, the bat's flying around over their head uh, before it crashes out and makes the bat symbol. And he's like, uh, <laughs> catch it, don't let it get away. And he sounds so serious, and he's delivering it so well, and then it flies out and it makes the bat symbol logo. And it's just so funny because it's the like biggest clash between horror and comedy 
um, or I guess not clash, but the best sim- symmetry between horror and comet- comedy right there. Sy- synergy, symmetrical synergy, synergistic symmetry, uh, whatever it is, it works really well. Um, so yeah, the Bat Gremlin I really like. Uh, it's got that. It's got um, the like cool nose design and uh when it attacks murray down on the street i love when everybody else in new york i mean they're new yorkers they deal with shit all the time they have to see pizza rat and and uh they can hear bagel boss from here there they can hear the bagel boss guy from here so they got enough shit to deal with the whole point is that you don't look you just you don't let it bother you you just look straight ahead so when this bat is attacking this tourist this massive bat monster is attacking this tourist he doesn't think anything of it he just nobody thinks anything everyone's just like oh wow this guy's this guy's acting so weird get out of my way buddy uh as he's freaking out um and then when it turns into a gargoyle it's funny i suppose you could call it circular structure as we thought it was a gargoyle murray thought it was a gargoyle and then he actualizes his the illusion and it becomes a gargoyle (laughs) Then I got to give it up to the Electric Gremlin. That was another favorite one of mine as a kid. Just like Elementals or whatever was so cool, probably. Uh, I mean, if I saw Hercules first, that's where I developed an Elemental affinity for like the Rock Titan and the uh, Ice Titan. I could totally see like an Electric Gremlin totally titillating uh, a young Kyle. But this, the Electric Gremlin is cool because... It's essentially a freaking superhero, and I'm not sure what exactly contains it to the building once it's in the phone lines. I guess it's being on hold, but it fries Dr. Catheter, and that's a really intense moment. It's it's scary as it's, like, electrocuting him, but uh, I just imagine the potential of the electric gremlin as it goes, like, around the world and fries people. The interesting thing is you can't get it wet, so it can't make any more. It's just, like, you know, uh, one of those... It's a, like a gremlin stopgap. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool how I, can, how I can just take the idea of the electric gremlin and stretch it out into like, what was that? A good 45 seconds of talking? Oh, that's pretty good. Let's see. What else? What else we got here? The brain gremlin? I really liked the brain gremlin. Yep. <laughs> I don't get what... I mean, a lot of these references and, a, I mean, uh, a lot of these cameos just go right over my head. I was thinking about it and I was thinking, people who made movies in the 90s grew up in the 70s and maybe even the 60s. And so, like, they weren't exposed to the same things that I was. So the humor's still there, but the cameos and the references and stuff... Like, you know, the, the most obvious pandering one is uh, Hulk Hogan later in the middle of the movie. But, uh, like, the voice of the brain gremlin, Tony Randall, uh, goes goes just nowhere for me. I have a list of some of the jokes that just went whoosh over my head. But let me get through some of these other gremlins. The vegetable gremlin, why does it keep burping? Is that a thing about vegetables? Do vegetables make people gassy? I'm a person. I eat vegetables. I don't think they make me that gassy, but uh, yeah, the the vegetable gremlin's burping a whole bunch. He'd be burping, um, and he's the one that attacks uh, uh, 
what's his name? Dick Buttkiss and uh, Bubba Smith at the salad bar. See, this is what I'm talking about. I don't know who these people are. And if you do, great. I'm I'm so happy for you. I'm happy for me too. Everybody's happy. Uh, what's another gremlin? We got a we got a we got a girl gremlin. We got the gremlin that drinks the <laughs> the serum <laughs> that's got male and female symbols on it, which I can only assume swaps your genders. Um but uh it's weird. I mean, it's 90s, but, you know, it's one of those things that doesn't hold up. It's weirdly transphobic, but uh, the, the, the girl gr- gremlin is, a prob- is apparently called Greta at some point. I don't know where I got that, but it's in my notes here. Uh, let's see. There's Stripe, who becomes the spider gremlin. Oh, well, Stripe was uh, the main gremlin in the last movie. This one's Mohawk, played by uh, Frank Welker again. I love Frank Welker. Howie Mandel, of course, playing Gizmo and all his little uh, glory. Um, the Spider Gremlin was the scariest one to me as a kid. Like from its transformation to the web down there, like seeing seeing it move, and then I guess seeing it burn too. But it's funny how little it's in the movie. Uh, Mohawk's in the movie a lot, but his Spider Gremlin form is barely in the movie. But I guess the idea of being <clears throat> but I guess the idea of being trapped in a web, you know, like as big as you, a human-sized web is pretty creepy. <clears throat> and and it still holds up. It's one of those moments that I feel like they don't try to undermine with uh, any humor. They just, it, it's creepy. <laughs> um, and then let's see, George. Well, okay, so there's these two gremlins that it didn't occur to me uh, in either of my like rewatches until I did my notes, but they're always together. And that's super cute. It's um, this, this one like surly looking uh, gremlin. That's apparently a caricature of some, once again, some wonderful actor that I've never heard of and uh, a dumb gremlin that for all intents and purposes is uh, dumb. You know, he's got the buck teeth and he goes, Oh, and he does whatever he's told. Uh, they were referred to in notes and stuff as George and Lenny, the uh, stars of Of Mice and Men, which is pretty funny. Uh, of Mice and Men, of course, George and Lenny. One of them was intelligent, at least more intelligent than the other, Lenny, who uh, had a sweetheart but was not as smart and uh, a little too strong for his own good. I love that book. Oh, man, Of Mice and Men. Why don't we pivot over to an Of Mice and Men podcast written by John Steinbeck. Nah, never mind. I don't know as much about that. And then the last gremlin is Daffy, the one that they call Daffy. (laughs) The one that they call Daffy is the uh, one that's going nuts, the one that I hate the most. God, it is so fucking annoying. That one shot where they uh, linger on it when he's uh, on the kitchen counter when Kate's trying to feed him. Oh my god, and it just goes on and on laughing and laughing and laughing and like rolling its eyes. It it's god, even just talking about it now, it's overwhelming. I can't understand. It seems to have like no level, no cap. When is it gonna end? When is it gonna tire itself out? <laughs> and that's all the gremlin that's all the most interesting gremlins anyway. Uh so let's see, let's keep moving through my thoughts here. Oh, I said it earlier, but I love I love all of the scenes of the gremlins torturing Gizmo. It's horrible, but they really found they found some they found a formula that works, which is Gizmo is this adorable little thing that sells a bunch of toys to uh, the sweet boys and girls, 
and the gremlins are the like bad boy versions that go to the bad boys and girls who want like something a little edgier and of course uh you know which are maybe the older brother and of course they're going to torture the younger brother the younger version of them which is weird because i guess is gizmo their father or is he their sibling i don't know it's really not worth exploring maybe the animated series (laughs) maybe that's one of the secrets of the mogwai is whether or not they're related at all or if they somehow create brand new dna out of nothing i don't know They've definitely got some magic stuff. Actually, that makes me think of something that I didn't write down here. It's, It seems like for uh, Wing, the uh, old man who owned Gizmo, for him to just have one animal in there that was, like, <laughs> capable of sentience seems weird. I know it's gremlins, but I'm just saying, like, that guy didn't have more, like, a baby unicorn back there or, or some kind of, like, man-ape that that that's that's blood cures ennui but uh there's so many references and cameos that go over my head in this movie i feel like i get a a a good amount of them but there's tons like oh the joke about the cathedral of saint ava marie which is a reference to of course the very famous actress ava marie saint duh and uh, the various cameos. Uh, I already mentioned Dick Butkus and Bubba Smith. You know, former football players turned actors that didn't murder a bunch of people. Uh, or the cast of the PBS children's show, Square One TV, appear as themselves, filming an episode in the lobby of the Clamp Building. What the hell is Square One TV? Is that what people are going to be saying of the gory days? <laughs> Uh, uh, Henry Gibson as, oh, Henry Gibson, uh, the, the Irish guy from, uh, Luck of the Irish, and I'm sure a million other wonderful things, as the employee getting fired for smoking at the beginning. John Astin as the janitor, who Gizmo recognizes, and I, I didn't, as, um, he was the guy who popularized the character Gomez Adams from the Adams Family, and in fact... If you watch the movie when the janitor first appears and Gizmo sees him, Gizmo says, Gomez! (laughs) It's really weird. There's another moment when Billy is holding Gizmo and he sees his little armband and he's like, oh, is that what happened to Mr... Is that what happened to your owner? And uh, Gizmo looks forlorn off to the side and says, Key Luke, the name of the actor that plays Mr. Wing. (laughs) It's super weird. So, um, anyway, I mean, the movie is so self-referential and it's so cartoonish. Uh, Jerry Goldsmith, the film's composer, as uh, and and his wife <clears throat> as yogurt customers that are uh, concerned about the the potential rats in the yogurt toppings. I did get uh, Hulk Hogan. I will give myself credit for getting Hulk Hogan, but. Um, uh, Leonard Moulton, I also got. I'll give myself credit for that, I think. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not gonna beat myself up over these. It, it's fun, I guess, to go back and realize that oh, the the theater manager was Paul Bartel, stand-up comedian, and uh, the uh, theater projectionist who comes down the steps is the great Kenneth Toby who's an amazing, apparently, actor who's been in, like, a hundred movies. You Google him and look at his filmography. He's been in, like, 
over a hundred movies. And here he is in this as the projectionist. And it's like, oh, isn't that fun? Isn't that a treat for the adults who recognize all the actors? It's like, it's like what I imagine a lot of the jokes. If I were to go back and watch Animaniacs, uh, there's tons of references and cameos and, uh, all the stuff that just went way over my head, but I assumed was for somebody, was for my parents, was for somebody uh, that I would appreciate much more now if I went back. Like, like, like I am now, I guess. I am glad that Mr. Futterman, uh, Dick Miller, Murray, Murray Futterman gets a beefier role in this one because he was one of my favorites from the first movie. I think apparently he was a lot of people's favorites, Dick Miller. It's a shame that, wow, uh, shoot, what is his name? It's a shame that his dad can't show, that Billy's dad doesn't show up. Uh, is, is it Rand Peltzer? Yeah, it's a shame Rand Peltzer couldn't come back. He gets a, a um, Dick Miller gets a throwaway line about like, oh, he's busy working on some like reversible toilet paper or something, which uh, I guess is like a fun reference to, oh, the bath buddy didn't work out, but he's still trying and he's he found his niche. Everybody uses the bathroom. He's not wrong. I guess now's a good time to talk about that that part where the uh, gremlins take over the movie. I love I love I love the scene that he chose where it's like things are ramping up, but it, it's kind of like the boring part of things are ramping up where you, you would want things to skip, and then the movie just like starts glitching out, and I I, I am prone to uh, <laughs> thinking like oh god. Uh, uh, my, my TV's glitched or something. So um, when that happened, I totally forgot. Um, and then and then it did happen. And I was like, oh, that's right. And they did one of my favorite jokes, which is the hand puppets, where they do first they do like the the bunny rabbit, and the or first they do the bird, and then they do the bunny rabbit, and then one of them does Abraham Lincoln does like uh, hold his hand together. It's so funny where you do like hold your hands together, and then it just kind of morphs into a fully formed stove top stove pipe hat top hat everything Abe Lincoln <laughs> forest cards everything <laughs> oh, I love that joke and then it leads straight into Hulk Hogan just going off on nobody just looking up past the camera and delivering a classic wrestler monologue the way only wrestlers could what a time to be alive the 90s when WWE and WWF were, were like Frankly, like, I should have been watching them. I probably would have enjoyed, like, the comic book style crossover events and uh, um, storylines that I have to keep up with week after week. It's like, it was, it was like uh, this, this vestige for actors who also were enormous, just big powerhouse swole dudes. Uh, and women who also just wanted to be actors uh, could thrive. Some of whom would break through that ceiling and make it into movies uh, like Hulk Hogan or The Rock or John Cena. Um, and some of whom would disappear into nothingness. <laughs> so there's a couple things. I've already mentioned the Lady Gremlin that don't really hold up. Uh, and it's just, you know, times change. We thought things were funny back then. Um, I'm not going to apologize for it. I'm calling it out because they don't they don't hold up but like the shutterbug the guy who's like taking a lot of pictures uh during the tour during kate's tour and is being really like abrasive and pushy his name's mr katsuji and he's a japanese tourist 
and he's got like all the cameras and stuff like that's I guess I could see where they think that's funny because you know like that's that's a stereotype that they take a lot of pictures and that they when they go on vacation they're really abrasive and they're they just take a lot of pictures but doesn't really hold up and I can't imagine I mean at least Getty Watanabe who plays Mr. Katsuji didn't do a voice I I wonder if that was something that uh was ever a thing or if they just wrote him to be a purely Japanese American or just Japanese who doesn't have an accent like god forbid um but he he doesn't really hold up uh the female gremlin doesn't really hold up not not that her existence doesn't hold up but the way that she's pretty much like trying to molest uh f- what is his name um uh his daniel clamp's assistant forrester the chief of security played by robert picardo uh, from Star Trek Voyager, who I don't recognize, but who apparently played EMH on Star Trek Voyager uh, for a whole bunch. Uh, Picardo, he is being assaulted by Greta, the female gremlin, the entire movie. And the only thing that saves it, barely, is that he like is kind of into it by the end. And... Uh, you know, uh, it's. I don't think he like capitulated. I don't think it was like, oh my gosh, this is my only way out of this situation. Um, and I don't think you know he like Stockholm syndrome like succumbed over a while. I think the way that they try to play it is that he honestly just like developed feelings. Like, oh, you know what? This is this is this isn't so bad. <laughs> but uh, her throwing himself at him and all that is isn't that great. I do love her little moment when she comes out of a picture of herself. <laughs> When they're doing their little uh, Gremlins party dance number at the end. Uh, that's, that's fun, but in general. And then the Lincoln. So, that's interesting. Lincoln comes up a couple of times. Uh, there was a there's a moment in this movie that uh, is supposed to be like a joke. It's supposed to be a uh, lampshade to the story that Kate tells in the first movie about her dad dying by being dressed as Santa Claus and wanting to surprise his daughter on Christmas. So he went down the chimney, got stuck, and died. And they had to get him out of the chimney, and she saw that. And so she was traumatized by it, and that's why she doesn't like Christmas um, in Gremlins. But in this movie, <laughs> they try to what they go like, aha, we can one-up that, and they try to make this... Uh, I found I'm going to be honest, I found it very funny the way that they handle it, but just the idea of mocking this isn't that funny. But but in universe what they've done and what they're going for is very funny from my perspective and in my opinion, and I'm sorry. I, I'm embarrassed that I thought it was very funny. Uh she gets flashed by a gremlin at one point and she reacts like, oh my gosh, and punts it. Good for her. But later she she's like, oh my gosh, please don't talk about Lincoln. And she explains that when she was a child, a person dressed like Abraham Lincoln flashed her. And that was very traumatizing. But she doesn't really get to finish that. But by the time we can assume what she's going to say, Billy comes over and is like, I really don't think we have time for this. And it's it feels very airplane, the way that she like turns the camera and walks forward. And even she's kind of playing up. Like, you know, like in Airplane when, um, uh, oh, what's his name? Stryker? Uh, would tell someone a story and whoever he was telling it to would be like killing themselves or something from or just how bored they were with with him. Don't let me catch in any of you doing that. I'm interesting. 
And then uh, on that note, the boss uh, taking taking Billy out to dinner. Uh, Billy's boss, Marla Bloodstone, played by Haviland Morris, with her accent on full blast, turned up to 11, takes, after he gets attention from the CEO, she takes him out to dinner and is putting the moves on him and kisses him. And Billy, for no reason, lies to his girlfriend about where the kiss came from. He's got the kiss smudge marks on it, and that doesn't really hold up. It feels real. I mean, I guess it's supposed to feel weird, but she's rewarded by the end of the movie, and Kate doesn't really get any, like, validation out of it other than that that uh, Marla Bloodstone confirms that, oh, yeah, it was that, but he he didn't want me, but, yes, he did lie to you. Like, that doesn't change. Yes, we went out to dinner. Yes, I tried to kiss him. But no, he wasn't into me. So you're good. No, we are not good. He lied to me about where he was going. He said he was going to a meeting, and he went to dinner with you, and then came home with fucking lipstick on his face and doubled down. No, we are not cool. But whatever, it's a movie. (laughs) I'm pretty sure networks actually do have those end-of-the-world pre-tapes. Where, like, oh, shoot, nuclear holocaust, or oh my god, there's a meteorite heading straight toward Earth, we're gonna die. Uh, play the tape, play the tape that we have, and, and they'd play it so that you as a family can gather around the TV and be comforted in knowing that CBS made a tape. I love the Gremlins party, I love that it's just full-on cabin fever, Muppet Treasure Island's madness. I think they could have, like, even done more, um... With some of those like sight gags, <laughs> I love when they're like they're showing all of the weapons that they have, because uh, yeah, this building apparently has a big giant stockpile of uh, weapons. Sure, why not? It's a Trump building. I mean, a clamp building. Ah, that's funny because the whole building is silver and everything in the building is silver. Even the plants are painted silver. And uh, there's there's a book that looks very much like the art of the deal that says like how I took Manhattan by Daniel Clamp. Um, but ultimately, I love that Clamp is like this really bored CEO who does nothing up in his office all day and has to come up with stuff to do. Um, and it's funny because the lines that he says and his position in the movie are evil. And I want to hate him. I want to hate his guts. And that was the intent. But the way that the guy who plays him, the way the actor, John Glover, oh, John Glover, uh, plays Daniel Clamp. He he does he gives he infuses this like uh, energetic innocence to it that like he truly he's this this rich just idiot and uh, he, he there really is no nefariousness to his ideas he really thinks that they are fun good ideas and has no idea that they're like offensive or uh, going to hurt people uh, so. It's a it's a nice twist on it, and it gives us the viewers a nice clean villain in the Gremlins. We don't need any other villains to muddy the waters, other than Forster, I guess, um, who gets rewarded. <laughs> I don't know. Seems like a monkey's paw situation there. Oh man, think about how cool it would have been to have seen all those Gremlins after Billy hosed them down. See how many of them were just like piled up on top of each other, a little like swarm of them and think how cool it would have been if they have gotten out into new york and infested the town and gotten into the sewers and multiplied and essentially like taken over the whole world that's always been like my head cannon for if they were to make a gremlins 3 is uh it's a post 
human world. The gremlins have taken over, and there are like a handful of humans left, and uh, Gizmo, of course, and maybe even a couple, like you could say, a couple of uh, Mogwai and gremlins have turned, and it's basically like a uh, war for whatever's left of uh, food, I guess, the gremlins need to eat, or just stuff to terrorize. I guess it would be cool to see, like, the gremlins inert, like, in uh, uh, 28 Days Later, when it's like, oh, when there's no people around and they've eaten all the zombies, they just stand, or they've eaten all the people, zombies just stand there and they just don't do anything. They go inert until there's someone, something to, to, to feast on. I love the CEO's private army in the end. That's trigger happy. Um, yeah. So despite this movie being a comedy, it does have, let's see, eight solid kills. Well, you know, it has a bunch of kills if you count all the gremlins at the end, which I do. Um, but Mr. Wing, unfortunately... Oh, well, this is my segment called Kills, Kills, Kills. Uh, Mr. Wing has complications uh, from being old as fuck. A, the first gremlin gets shredded. The first on-screen death and the first real death, frankly, is uh, the one that's shredded by Daniel Clamp. And that one's so juicy. And <laughs> it's, it's really fun to watch. That's some of the stuff. That's what the gory days comes for. That's what mama like. Dr. Catheter, like I said, gets electrocuted by the electric gremlin. The uh, bat gremlin gets frozen in cement by uh, Murray Futterman. The beanie gremlin that is bothering the brain gremlin on Fred's talk show gets shot through the head. The And that beanie gremlin was played by the director. The, he was voiced by the director, um, uh, Joe Dante. The spider gremlin, a.k.a. Mohawk, gets burned by Gizmo uh, after he's gone post-Rambo. <laughs> I love that Gizmo is so influenced by the Rambo, like, four scenes that he saw. But they pushed, I guess they pushed him too hard. The erect, the electric, <laughs> the erect gremlin. I don't remember there being an erect gremlin. Hmm. But the electric gremlin gets overloaded, I guess, from, from frying all of the other gremlins and, like, zipping around the room. And, of course, all of those gremlins melt from being electrocuted. Which is so freaky. That's like that's what brings it back to horror again because they look so nasty as they're all melting until there's the one with the witch's hat and it's like what a world. But seeing Gizmo, uh, like look down at them and like kind of smiling as he watches his kin all die by his hand essentially is pretty morbid but also fun. It's like yeah, you fuckers, you did push me too far. <laughs> and then finally the brain gremlin is uh well he's also electrocuted in that group but if that one feels so much darker because he was smart he was intelligent and he's trying to like sing a little bit at the end or at least that's what his brain remembers as he's just boiling in his own juices um and that's that's all the kills i just realized i forgot to mention so there's this character in the movie called grandpa fred he's played by robert prosky and he's clearly going, he's clearly based on Grandpa Munster from the Munsters. He's an old man, heavy set with Dracula makeup. Like he's meant to like look like Count Dracula. Uh, 
Grandpa Munster, played by Al Lewis, actually also hosted a show on TBS called Super Scary Sunday, where he showed old monster movies, I learned. So it's not just a complete, like, oh, it's it's just supposed to be Grandpa Munster is here for no reason. No, it's supposed to be a reference to the TBS show that he hosted. Um, and one last little trivia note before I wrap this up is I found out that the movie that uh, Grandpa Fred is presenting in his little show is, in fact, Octoman, which featured the first costume ever designed by Rick Baker, who they got to be the uh special effects designer and second unit director of this movie full circle it's crazy how tight how small that town really is that we call hollywood tinseltown the town that we call tinsel (laughs) okay i'm gonna rate this movie on a scale of one to five thumbs one being the worst and five being the best this movie is so fun i'm going to give it three thumbs and i'm going to give one of those thumbs to christopher lee because he's so freaking funny (laughs) he's so freaking funny in this movie I want to give one to Phoebe Cates because uh, she does a great job as Kate in this movie with uh, what they give her to do. She's she's very funny, and they give her as much agency as they can. Um, so I'm going to give one to her. And then last, I'm going to give one to Key Luke. Yes, I know. He was barely in this movie, but he really does deserve one. He adds so much legitimacy to Gizmo. He is part of Gizmo, in my opinion. Gizmo doesn't have like that air of mystery or like magic without Mr. Wing, played by Key Luke. And uh, here's a little quote that Luke had to say when he heard his character would die in Gremlins 2. I thought it was hilarious. He said to Joe Dante, remember, when you make Gremlins 3, I'm a flashback. <laughs> securing that part you gotta you gotta as an actor because you never know oh no what if they have a young key luke oh no what if they reboot it they remake it and it's key luke as a child that's apparently i'm i'm it sounds like i'm joking but that's apparently the plot for uh gremlin secrets of the mogwai the animated show that's coming to uh hbo max is that uh it's a young key luke in uh china with like gizmo uh running around yeah so should be interesting that's it thanks for listening to the Corey days your host once again for another week that was me kyle leone follow me on twitter and instagram and whatever at the gory days you're all doing great this was this was fine stay scary out there the Corey days